How you guys doing? Oh, energized tonight. Let's be the Red Ranger. Anyway, uh, welcome to Revolution. Uh, tonight we're tonight we are. That's the step. Uh, we're a little short. Uh, Justin's in North Carolina. Matt's still belly down in his basement. When I called him to the, at the, this point this week, he was watching Duck Dynasty. So laughing profusely as Emily took him the phone. Um, so he's feeling better. His emails are continually getting more sarcastic, which also proves that he's getting better. Um, so uh, keep praying for him. Um, some other announcements real quick. We have the, the college moving in. Freshmen will move in starting the 15th. So I sent out an email, or there's been an email chain going out on the Facebook page. That's not really an email, that's a Facebook message, I'm sorry, I'm old and technically challenged. Uh, there's a Facebook message page out there, and on that, the next Sunday, if you're going to be able to make it, let us know, we can get you a t-shirt that we'll be giving out that week, and we want to all wear the same color t-shirt so people know that, hey, we are here to lift heavy things for you, so everyone will get together with that next Sunday. So if you're going to be able to help out the 15th from roughly like 10 to 2, uh, let us know. We'll get you a T-shirt next Sunday, so you can wear that to the event. And then that's on a Thursday. That Friday, uh, Revolution sponsoring Shane Runyon Band, who'll be playing as part of like the student programming board deal. So uh, we'll have a table set up. We'll give away the rest of the T-shirts um, and and try to make relationships with people because that following Sunday, the 18th. We're going to move from this place and go to the main auditorium um, at Christ Community until our, our new little shindig is done. Uh, so that means that we'll have like normal, full rock and roll distortion band, which I'm excited about, very excited about. Um, so we'll be doing that the 18th, and from that point on, we'll be in the main auditorium until we get our other little side gym done. So everybody got that? Everybody cool with that? Most importantly, the things are coming up first. If you're going to be doing any move-in on the 15th from 10 to 2, let us know next Sunday so we can get you a pretty blue little t-shirt and people will know that you're here to help and we'll all look like one big, organized, happy little family. And they'll look cute, especially you and me in the same shirt, David. <laughs> anyway, so... Uh, we're glad you could make it, and let's pray, and we'll get Eric up here. Lord, we thank you uh, that we can come together uh, in fellowship as believers, um, and we thank you that we have the opportunity tonight to, to listen to your word, um, to let your spirit just change who we are, uh, just get, to continue to help us walk in the light, to, to be shaped and, and molded more like you. We pray tonight that uh, we, can, we can hear your message, we can hear your spirit, J- just bringing us out of darkness, and we pray that we can respond in worship and love, just leaving everything behind from this week and today, and just focus on you, uh, and just worship and honor you. In your name we pray, amen. Red Ranger. What's up, guys? Everybody needs to wake up now. So I decided to follow Matt's lead and wear a t-shirt from my childhood. So I thought I'd be the Red Ranger for you guys tonight. 
All right, we're looking at uh, 1 John 2.24. That is page 744 in the Blue Bibles, if you guys want to pull those out. Uh, The Blue Bibles, if you guys are new to Revolution, if uh, if we're reading this tonight and you like it, you think it's readable, then take that home. That is yours. Nobody's going to stop you uh, walking out the door or anything. That is, that's yours to keep. That's, gift, that's our gift to you. And uh, we just want everybody here to be in the Word. And uh, whether that means that this is a translation this is, uh, that is uh, what is best for you or whether or not that's, that's some other translation, uh, we don't really mind as long as you are in Scripture daily. Um, so again, you guys on page four, or 744? We good? All right, First John 2.24, it says, So you must remain faithful to what you have been taught from the beginning. If you do, you will remain in fellowship with the Son and with the Father. You guys pray with me real quick. Uh, God, thank you so much for the opportunity to come together as a group and as a, as a community wanting to know you more and wanting to, to worship you, God. I, I pray for tonight that, um, you know, through the message and, and through worship that we would grow closer to you, that uh, we would desire to know you more, God. I just pray that um, we would earnestly seek you tonight and that you would uh, be working in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. All right, so right there, the first, the first half of the verse, it says, So you must remain faithful to what you have been taught from the beginning. So first question is, what is it that we are remaining faithful to? I mean, what, what was taught from the beginning? Um, John's talking about teachings of apostles and, and possibly even Christ. It's, it's totally possible that Christ had, had taught some of these people that he's writing this letter to. Um, but he's talking about um, the apostles who had already been, been in the area uh, uh, teaching and, and bringing up these people in, um, in the teachings of Christ. Um, and he, he wants them to focus back on what they had been taught from the beginning. Uh, there were some, some fringe ideas and fringe beliefs that were, that were creeping into um, the belief system that first century Christians had, um, had going on there. So he's referring to the gospel, the the center of every, every aspect of our faith, uh, the center of everything that Christ taught, the center of, of everything that the apostles taught. He's, he's focusing on the gospel, and he, he, wants, um, he wants to bring that out. He wants, wants them to focus on that. After all, all of Scripture, if you look in the grand narrative of the Bible, is the gospel, um, and what Christ has done to bring bring creation um, back from the fall. Um, you know, for those of you who are new, um, or perhaps you've never heard the gospel before, I want to really focus on that tonight. I really want to break down the gospel, uh, not only for those of you who are new, but for those of us who have been around the gospel so long that we may be numb to it. So, first off, uh, the, the gospel literally means the good news. Um, it's essentially, um, 
everything is jacked up and uh, Jesus is going to make it better, right? So um, the Bible describes our condition as humans as desperate. If we look at the grand narrative of the Bible, like I said, we see, we see that you have God the Father in the beginning and he was in perfect relationship with Jesus and the Holy Spirit. We call those uh, the Trinity, um, all one God with the same perfection and the same, the same uh, nature, but three different distinct roles. Um, and I know Matt loves to explain that to people, so you should ask him about it if you're confused about that. So they were in perfect relationship with each other, um, and they didn't need anything. They were, they were in a perfectly loving relationship. It's like the absolute um, most amazing relationship you could ever imagine, and then some. So in the beginning, when they were all together, there was no creation, there was no universe. Uh, God the Father um, then speaks the universe into being. Um, and the reason he did that was to... Um, display his inherent awesomeness, right? God's perfect and amazing, and so he wanted to show off his glory. Glory, I like to explain as kind of like whenever you see an awesome play in baseball or football or whatever, and you like get really pumped, and you point and you jump up and down, you're like, that was awesome, and and that's what glory is. It's something that is inherently awesome in and of itself, right? You following me? So God is so amazing that he's just inherently awesome. So God created the universe just to display how amazing he was. Not to increase his glory because he was already perfectly glorious, but just to display it. Uh, everything was perfect when God created it all. Everything was, in, uh, was harmonious in all of the universe uh, did what, what, what it was intended to do, which is to glorify God. Um, which is just, again, showing how awesome God is. That's what he, his intended purpose for all of creation was. So then God gave us humans. He, he created us, and he made us in his image, or in his likeness, which uh, basically just means that that um, out of all of creation we stand apart somehow that that we have this ability for say moral reasoning or or to to um, to have a spiritual connection with God himself so he gave us humans one thing that we weren't allowed to do right he had Adam and Eve had one job and they blew it Right? Me and my little brother like to say that. Every time somebody screws something up, it's like, you had one job. And so, of course, they broke that rule. And through that rebellion, they actually, um, they allowed sin to enter the world, which infected everything. It's like a disease that, that got into all of creation, even, even like um, animal life and and. And, uh, and nature and the weather and everything, it's infected by sin. It's, uh, our entire creation is in rebellion to God. And, uh, 
so now the Bible says that there is enmity between God and us. And we as a creation um, are not intending our, or are not fulfilling our intended purpose. Uh, at camp, I, I worked at Scioto Hills Camp for several summers, and the way that I would like to explain the situation to some of my campers was it's kind of like if you had a pen, you know, something to write with. And we've all been in the situation where, like, you need your pen to write, and it just doesn't write anything, right? It just drives you crazy, and no matter how much you scribble on the paper, it just doesn't do anything, right? No ink comes out. You write on your hand, and you get all these red lines all over your hand from uh, writing so hard. And, and maybe you, like, write on the bottom of your shoe, and you don't get anything. And, and you open it up, and you look, and there's plenty of ink in there, but it just doesn't want to write. So what do you do with that pen? You throw it out. Nobody's going to fault you for that. That's, that's your pen, and it's not doing what it's supposed to do. Why, why would you keep a pen around like that? That doesn't work. In the same way, we are not fulfilling our intended purpose. Like the pen that is supposed to write, we are not glorifying God. So whenever you have a pen like that, it's, I mean, the pen can't try harder. The pen can't, can't, I don't know, make itself right if it wanted to. It's broken. It doesn't work. And in the same way that we are broken and cannot in our, in our own abilities do anything about it. We're in a situation where we are so hopelessly lost from what our intended purpose was that we don't even know what glorifying God looks like. So, we can look at this situation. We can see that God is perfectly justified to punish us for not fulfilling our intended purpose. But he did offer a way to fix that uh, in the same way that we could we could try to work on that pen or, or replace the ink in it or, or whatever, replace all these parts in it and make it work. He offered a way to do that. He offered a way to fix us. And that, and he decided to do that through sending his son, the incarnation of his son, um, to the earth to live this perfect life. This life that we were intended to have from the beginning sinless and, and totally in submission to God. Um, he lived his life and then offered it up as a sacrifice, as, as payment for our iniquity, our screw-ups, our rebellion. Um, and now, the not only did he pay for our sins, but he um, then had victory over death by, by rising from the grave, right? He um, not only took on all of our sin and all of our screw-ups and all of our rebellion, but he then conquered the punishment for that so that he could give us that eternal, perfect, and glorious life so that we could have victory over death. 
See, the whole goal here was to redeem creation. He promises to do that. At the end of time, whenever that may be, you know, there's a lot of talk nowadays about, uh, I don't know, the Kirk Cameron movies or whatever. Um, But God does intend to redeem all of creation, fix it, put it back to where it was supposed to be, where all things are perfectly obeying and submitting to God and, and glorifying him. And, and the only thing he asks of us is for us to have faith that he's going to do that. Like, that's pretty amazing. All we have to do is trust that he's going to do it, and then he offers us that. So, I mean, that's, that's the deal. We trust him to wipe away all of our sins, and then he makes us new. He brings us out of darkness. He... He uh, makes us a new creation as a result. First um, John 1, 9, uh, just a chapter back, it says, But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. So just by trusting that he would, he would remove those sins from us, he not only removes the punishment for those sins, but he removes that wickedness entirely from us. He doesn't take us to neutral, he takes us to righteous. Um, That's just the nature of his sacrifice. This is the gospel, this is the teaching in which we must remain according to John. Um, And also according to him, if we remain in the gospel, we know that we remain in the Son and in the Father. That's the second half of that verse. So, kind of like we've discussed before, um, John is writing to a group of Christians, first century Christians, who have allowed unbiblical uh, ideas and beliefs to permeate their faith. The so-called Judaizers, who were like a bunch of dudes that ran around and and told men that they had to get circumcised to uh, be Christians, which is like the weirdest membership card that was ever thought up, by the way. they, they had these extra, it's like Jesus plus this. Oh, yeah, no, you need to follow Jesus, but then there's some, like, some other stuff you need to do, too. There's like, there's like uh, oh, well, you need, to, you need to be baptized, or you need to be circumcised, or you need to follow the, uh, the, the say, the diet of the Mosaic Law. Um, you have to do things outside of just following Jesus, which is not what Scripture tells us. Then you have the Gnostics. The Gnostics were a big reason why John wrote um, 1 John. Uh, he, you know, they believe that that um, everything physical is, is, is bad and everything spiritual is good. So, so, they don't believe that Jesus ever came as like a physical man. He was just like a spirit or whatever. Um, but that doesn't make any sense. Uh, that completely removes the connection between us and Jesus when it comes to his sacrifice and living the perfect physical life on earth. That's just not what teacher or what scripture teaches us. 
We also look at Scripture and see that, well, obviously God created everything, so what, if God's perfectly good, how does that make any sense that he would create physical things which are naturally bad? So we, we see these ideas that can creep into our faith and our relationship and cause problems. Obviously, John thought it was a huge issue because he wrote this letter. I think we can find similar beliefs in our society today, in our Christian culture today. I mean, have you ever listened to K-Love? I know we knock on K-Love a lot, but there's a lot of ideas in, in just that we might hear in Bible study, even here. There's a lot of ideas that we might hear in just conversation that are just not biblical ideas that want to creep in. You've got uh, the, the Oprah mentality where there are, there are, there are many ways to truth. And, and Jesus is just one of them. But that's, that's not what Scripture says. Who do you believe? Do you believe Oprah or do you believe Scripture? I mean, if you want to believe Oprah, that's fine, but don't claim to believe Scripture too. Or maybe, maybe um, you know, we can't, we can't trust that everybody has their own path, right, to truth. Um, scripture says that uh, right there in Jeremiah seventeen nine it says the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and is desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? So the Bible speaks to the untrustworthiness and, and the, brokest, the brokenness of our own hearts to show us that we can't just go by what we feel. We have to go by something objective. Um, Pastor Matt's going to be covering over the next couple of months some apologetics topics, and he, and he most certainly will cover uh, objective truth, right? We can't all just go by what we feel because that doesn't make any sense. That, that doesn't work amongst all of us, right? If, if you believe that this isn't, you know, that the sky is green, that doesn't work at all, right? So Pastor Matt's going to go over that over the next couple of months. Another idea that keeps, keeps moving its way into our, our belief system is this health and wealth gospel. And I absolutely believe that every single one of us is guilty of this at one time, to think that God would never allow something horrible to happen to a person that's really following him, a person that's really righteous and is, is, is being faithful to him. Why would he let that happen? Talk to Pastor Matt right now who's laying on his stomach in pain and he can't be where he wants to be which is serving him no doubt the question of god why has why is this going on right now crossed his mind or we look right into scripture and we see we see uh, major figures from the bible you know david or moses or or paul or peter and all these guys went through tough stuff Things didn't always go their way, right? I was at the Reds game the other night, and I just said, like, well, apparently uh, even God's team doesn't win all the time. Even God's team gets uh, shut down 13-3. to So, again, we can look right into Scripture and see that, like, 
Paul spent the last years of his life, and he was really, really sick and messed up. Um, you see John, who wrote this letter, was exiled to like a rocky island. I looked at pictures. There's nothing there. So we can obviously see that God doesn't, he doesn't promise us physical um, well-being in any way. It's true in scripture and it's true in life. But I think we all get that attitude, right? God, I'm just trying to change my life for you and, and this, it's just getting harder. I don't understand. I know I've talked to a lot of people down in the East End that feel the same way. Like they don't understand why life is so messed up. Because they're a good person or whatever. So if we look back at 1 John 2.24 again, how do we remain faithful to what we have been taught from the beginning? How do we remain faithful to the gospel? I think the answer is, is simplistic, really. Like, the same way that you remain in anything else, right? You actively stay in it. How do you stay in good shape? Ask David Dowdy. You work out every day, right? <laughs> or you don't eat anything if you're him. You desire to stay fit and you do something about it. That's how you remain fit, right? How do you keep your job? You perform the duties that were given to you. You, you stay in that job and you do what you're supposed to do there, right? How do you stay in your relationship with your significant other? You work at it. You stay in it. You, you uh, are, are, are um, pursuing that significant other. You are working to foster growth in your relationship. And you are seeking to improve your relationship at all times. You are actively there. You're not checking out. The same way we remain in the gospel by seeking to apply it to our lives. We remain in the gospel by being in it all the time. Colossians 2, 6-7 says, And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him, and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness. We have to be in him. We have to stay in him. We can't accept, like we can't think that we're going to show up to church once a week or, or go to Bible study once a week and, and think that we're going to grow in Christ. We, we can't do that. There's three and four day spans there where you just are left to your own devices. I don't understand um, how we can think that way. How, how would you improve in any other aspect of your life? you're not going to work on it maybe a couple hours one day a week. You're going to work at it all the time. I know we have like really talented musicians here and you can ask any of them that they have spent an exorbitant amount of hours 
working on their craft, you know? I only play guitar like a couple times a week for like 15 minutes at a time. I don't think that I'll ever reach that that level of mastery, right? And I shouldn't expect to. I think we can all identify with that. So if we seek to apply the gospel to our lives daily, then we can begin to pull out some of those sinful, unredeemed, dark corners of our, our hearts. Um, just a couple that came to me as I was, as I was preparing this, a couple that really I've had to work on, things that I have struggled with and continue to struggle with, um, like pride, or I feel entitled to certain things. The same thing goes along with that health and wealth gospel that I talked about, where, well, God, I'm like in the church multiple times a week, and I'm working my butt off, and like I'm doing this ministry thing on the side, and and uh, I, I study scripture. Like when things don't go my way, I get aggravated about it, or I, you know, I grew up as the kid who was always, I never got in trouble. Never talked back to my parents. Always got good grades. Like I was, I was the good kid. Uh, I was the the model kid you would want. So I get aggravated whenever things don't go my way, right? Because I've been taught my entire life that if you work hard, this is what you'll get. Things don't always go that way. But if we look at the gospel, the gospel says that all I deserve is death. That I am screwed up and I am in rebellion toward God. And my heart is not yet fully redeemed. Or maybe, um, say, emotional or spiritual dependence. You know, I was in a relationship a few years ago and, like, that person was an idol to me. That person was always number one and... I look at the gospel and it says that Christ is sufficient. He's number one. Or I look at my constant desire to always want to go to the movie section in Walmart, right? I always want stuff. And for whatever reason, if I go to Walmart, I have to buy a movie, right? I look at the $5 movies. Always go for the Blu-ray if I have the option. So this, <laughs> I have that natural compulsion to want like cool stuff, right? Um, I I always have to have the new technology, the new toys. But the gospel, if I lay that against that part of my life, I see that all of that stuff is junk. That it's going to last a couple of years, and then I just get a new one, right? And it's nothing compared to my relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords that he offers to me. Or I look at me being a dude and just lusting after the opposite sex, right? Both men and women alike can, can speak to that. And I look through the lens of the gospel and I see how could I ever objectify someone like that? 
whenever they are a loved creation of God and that Jesus died for them just as much as me. How could I do that? So I, pl- I apply the gospel to my life, and we have to do so daily, sometimes hourly. So we can see that certain beliefs, certain certain feelings inside of our heart, certain um, attitudes just don't line up with the gospel, right? You don't have to be a Bible scholar to know that certain things glorify God or don't. You, just having the gospel is sufficient to get you started. And that's what John is calling us back to. He wants to call us back to the gospel, and he says, this is where we need to start This is the core of everything that you should learn. So that we can continue to grow in Christ. You know, if we think that we can go um, an entire week, you know, come come to Revolution once a week or, or... Uh, go to a Bible study once a week or whatever. We think we can go from one week to another with that only being our spiritual sustenance. Then the things that can be distracting will increasingly be distracting. And that will keep happening until the king that we claim is no longer the center of what we worship. So how is it that we know that we're in relationship with the Son and the Father? John tells us right here, we remain in the gospel. So will you guys pray with me? God, thank you so much for uh, this opportunity to get together as a fellowship. I pray for our time of worship tonight that you would strip us bare and, and, and just allow us to lay our hearts down before you in a, in, in a reckless abandon, God, that we, would, that we would desire you so much and desire to be in you so much that we lay it all down, that we will seek to go back to the gospel and praise you in this time for it. I pray that you would be with us tonight and worship. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.